I had no knowledge of how to garden. I didn't know how to raise children. I didn't know much. But through this message and um, spirit of prophecy, I learned a lot. And uh, God taught me how to farm, really. He really did. I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned. I learned year by year, moment by moment. Not yet. Just hang on a minute. Um, and I want you to click them if that's okay. Yeah. So um, my husband, the first three years of our marriage, taught me how to garden. I just observed him. He actually was a good gardener. That's the garden he grew our second year of marriage, our first year. Second, second, second year. And so I just watched. And then pretty soon I was taking it over. <laughs> I just said, I'm going to do that. I like that. I liked eating my own food, right? You could go out in the garden, get all this. I'm a city girl. I was a city girl. To the, to the umph, you know? I mean, and so I really loved that, being able to go out. I loved, my husband and I wanted to influence our children. Both of us got into drugs. We weren't Christians when we were raised. We um, wanted to keep that from happening to our children, so we moved out of the city. We thought the city has really influences that we just would prefer not, and it really did help in a great deal. Not one of our children wants to drink alcohol. All my family were alcoholics, same with my husband. So they saw what that did. And they didn't get into drugs, and they didn't get into trouble. And we really attribute that to hard work, because they were busy all the time, falling into bed, and um, living on a farm, and being out, even out from town. And uh, we wanted air, space, and land. We just lived in the city, and you know, you can go out in your pajamas if you want to, right? out the back door, and I just love that, and clean water. We were looking for those kind of aspects. And, and so um, I really believe, too, country living teaches virtues, moral virtues to your children. Um, I know that sounds funny, but it really does. And I'll explain some of that in, as I go along. So we moved to Paonia. It's a long story, but we moved to Paonia, Colorado. And it's about 5,800 feet in elevation. It's a sage juniper pinionary, which is basically a high desert um, in zone six. And sometimes I can get away with seven. Um, we have to pipe all our water to whatever we're growing. We only have 14 inches of rain, even with snow, in a year. So it'd be just desert if, if there wasn't irrigation water canals there. So we do bring sprinklers and drip now. But I learned on my first two-acre piece that I did with my children to make and construct ditches. And water flowed through those ditches to my crops, which is a lot of work. I look back now and I go, how did I ever do that? We would even lay black plastic over the ditches so I can grow melons and different kind of produce so that the water, it was warming the soil, the black plastic, and so the ditches would run under that. We had gotten so good, and we did it all with shovels. All my four kids and me would lay like quarter acre of black plastic. So that's what they grew up doing. They were really hard working. Um, and also at 5,800 feet, there's a, a lot of sun intensity because you're so close to the sun. Look at my face. I mean, you know, it's really harsh on things and plants. So um, you have to wear hats all the time. You have to, you, it's just amazing. And then the, the, the difference between the nighttime and the day temperatures can range from 30 to 50 degrees, even in summer. So it's really a challenge to grow. And so I'm always trying to warm things. 
And okay, in 1991, so we got married in about the 80s. In 1991, we bought a 40-acre piece, which you're going to see. Michael's going to show you some pictures on it. We planted 100 fruit trees. Michael's idea. I'm so glad. And and then. And the kids loved the garden. Um, we were very small scale. An acre and two acres is not very big. I started out probably with a half, went to a, a full acre, and then went to two acres. I was raising four children. They were seven, four, and two, and a newborn. And I just started to do farming. I really just got really into it. I had no greenhouses, and actually for not 15 years. Trading, uh, I was trading um, a place in a greenhouse to do seedlings and transplants because I knew nothing about doing that for watering her greenhouse every morning. I mean, I just did anything to learn and anything to help me. I was visiting and trading uh, work um, for produce so I could learn farm practices by other farmers. There were some great farmers where I live. Um, uh, and I was just starting my first child in homeschool, which I knew nothing about. <laughs> I felt really incompetent, I'll tell you, to say the least. Um, but I also wanted to have the farm be an opportunity, a teaching tool, for my children to learn work, work skills. That's one thing I came away from with my parents. There were seven of us. We were really poor, and I learned to work and work hard. And I knew that was so valuable for my children. So... Um, you know, the kids in the, on the farm would weed two or three hours in the morning. That's what I made them do. I didn't care how old or young they were. They all worked together, but they worked two or three hours, and then they could go do whatever they wanted in the summer. So um, that's what they did. And we also had other things because we had 40 acres. 20 of those acres were um, grass, hay, alfalfa. And so we belled it, cut it, belled it, stacked it. My, my older girls, we, we decided that was probably not good for them after a while because, you know, they were lifting 60-pound bells and stacking them because we didn't have a stack wagon. I mean, my girls are tough. Like, they're, they're amazing, really, when I think about it. And yet they're so womanly. You, you'd never know. They worked on a farm. So they learned that. My husband taught them how to run the tractor, the bobcat, the backhoe. He just taught them everything. I'm like, ah, you're going to kill him. But he, he is great because, he, he, you know, they, they came away with so much confidence and not cocky confidence, real smart, you know, zeroed in, dialed in confidence so that they could do other things. Um, and so they did all that. And then my garden just kept expanding. And so by mid-90s, love eating my own food. I'm just hooked. I'm hooked. And, um, but I, I knew that um, I had to warm my soil. And so I was using some black plastic, like I said, but I um, was um, starting to realize I got to warm it. So we did uh, some greenhouse. This is a carport that I saw in some field and asked the lady if I could buy it. And then I put a piece of plastic over the top, and my kids and I made those beds, okay, in the 90s. So they were real young. And so we just did that as a school project. And that greenhouse is still in operation on our own farm by great farmers these guys are like mega farmers they love it they still use it and i used to grow greens in here and and also you didn't see it but i started out these these are key points um little cold frames greenhouses are great make little cold frames in the ground do anything to warm that soil and do beds so and and do hoop hoop houses you know where you make small 
uh, houses for things to live in, anything to warm the soil I was doing. I was actually selling at this time 10 pounds of lettuce three times a week to the health food store. And 15, there's about 1,500 people. I couldn't produce enough. No one had ever brought fresh produce. I was one of the first people in the valley to have. So I'm really well known for my farming practices there. So, um, and then I started selling vegetables because I wanted cantaloupe every day, every meal. That's what I wanted. So I grew about five 70-foot uh, rows of them. And we just ate them and ate them and sold them. And, and uh, so um, what happened, I was expanding my seasons because when you warm the soil with any kind of greenhouse, I started, wow, I like what this greenhouse is doing. It doesn't freeze in here. You know, um, we have to water it by hand. But, but it was working. Um, I saw an opportunity at this point for a cottage industry for my family. I said, okay, I like this. And you know, I realize now that God was just impressing my heart all the time. Do this, don't do that. Do this, do this, try this. And I just kept trying new things. I drove my husband crazy. He'll tell you by our last farm, you'll see. Um, but my family were into it too. They, they loved it. The kids loved it. I saw them really... We were very close, and, um, and I started my first farmer's market in the town, this little town. I kind of just found a location, talked with terms with the, with the owner. It was right in town, bought tables, bought a little cheapy little tent, and uh, made signs and sold for three, three, I think three seasons with my children. So some of the things my children did and learned while, do, while doing this with me uh, they helped pick, clean, load, set up, and sold, okay? And um, my children earned all wages according to their age. I gave them money. And um, we had three successful seasons. We would sell out. We would do it on Wednesdays and Fridays. I don't know why I did two days, but we did. And it was, it was just really turned out nice. And then I was asked, does everybody know who Joe Cocker is? Rock and roll, you probably went. Rock and roll singer. They live in our town. They retired near our town. And his wife asked me to do another farmer's rock, uh, um, market um, in her town. And I said, okay, but you advertise. And she did. And it was very successful for two seasons. I actually have, we're in the newspaper. I didn't bring it because it's real fuzzy. I'm hoping I can fix it. Wait, Dad, you're way ahead. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Okay, so we did that, and that was really successful. And um, I want to tell you what that did for our family, okay? We were meeting our neighbors, okay? And in a way that was very constructive and directed, okay? And so we were meeting all our neighbors. They were getting to know who the Socorro family Everybody knows who we are. Everybody. Even new people that come in. Oh, yeah, I heard about you. You know, it's just the way little towns work. So every, we got to know all. We got to minister to their needs. When we'd hear something and do, you know, we would get on it, you know. I did a lot of natural remedies for people. I mean, I just did. All, we just did cooking classes. I just did anything anybody was interested in. If there's just two, I did it. I actually taught at a, a, a school, anatomy and physiology. All I did is read, you know, learned it out of a textbook. I'm not a teacher. To a uh, alternative school for three years, and that woman became an Adventist. So, a Christian. I mean, a devout Christian, I should say. The whole family did. Her son came. She came. Her husband came. So we're really grateful for that. So don't other ever underestimate how you influence people, ever. 
Uh, I would have never guessed. I, I spoke, we had four home births, and I spoke at this one midwife's uh, on health all the time. And it's just been amazing. The, the, I just did everything. Anything God led me to do, I did. Um, I'm really excited about our message. I love our message. I wasn't raised in this message, but I love it. And I think it really helps people. Um, it was a social life for my children. And I was there. <laughs> they weren't going off playing with some kids. I don't know what's going on, right? So it was great. We got out twice a week. We were fun. We had fun. Um, they were making money. They were learning to work. Everything was great. It really was that good. Um, but I didn't realize what was happening at that point. God was preparing me for bigger things. I didn't know. But if you're faithful in small things, he gives you bigger things. And to me, it was success. This was success. Farming is not about money. If your focus is on money, you're not, it's not going to happen. It's got to be God's timing, God's way, doing it his way when he says. And, and there's, it's just a whole, there's so many things you have to learn. Let him walk you through each stage. Um, and I'll tell you what happened. I come from a pretty broken family, a lot of strife, a lot of just abuse and different things. And I love my parents. They're both dead, but I loved them. I learned to forgive, and I learned God taught me a lot of things. Um, I actually bonded with my mother before she died because I was her caretaker. But the thing that, and so I was a little broken with relationships. Having home births and nursing really helped me to develop more love. I mean, if you can imagine, I mean, I really did not know how to love. And one of the things that the farm did with my children is it made us very cohesive and close. And we really bonded. We were working side by side. We were learning from each other. We were, it just is amazing what the farm will do. We were learning science in its purest form. you know. Um, and so my children got this work-study balance in their lives, which was so wonderful to see. And so there was a lot of peace and tranquility between me and my children. I didn't have to scream and yell at them. I mean, I could. I mean, I was like that. I could. But it didn't happen because of God's plan for this peaceful. Do you know if you put your feet in the dirt? We were talking about this afternoon that something happens. Some miraculous thing happens where we're electrical and there's electrical charges. I mean, there's just, I can't even tell you the millions of things that farming does for you. Take your shoes off. But um, so my kids are getting this balanced work study and, uh, you know, fresh air and sunshine and exercise. And don't underestimate that. Children are kinesthetic. They need to move. I didn't start my children. You'll never. I started my children late, seven, eight, school, which no one does. And that's another thing you can do when you live in the country. You can do what you want. And that you need to have that option. My son did not read until he was 12. I'm like, ah. What is going on? What am I doing wrong? Then I read this book and said, oh, that's not uncommon, and these homeschooling. It's not. So I, I really learned, just relax, you know? I mean, I was, you know, and he is a ICU nurse today. So there you go. You know, I mean, that takes focus, a lot of focus. So anyway, so I'm really grateful to God that I just <laughs> would walk, not always so willingly, but I tried to really watch what he was trying to do. Another thing that I think was so important that the farm did in our lifestyle is that it, gave, it kept my kids loving to learn because I wasn't pressuring them with all this academics and I wasn't, you know, I mean, everything was just balanced and free and, 
You know, they ran like lambs, you know, over the hills, the 40 acres, they could go anywhere they wanted. You know, they started a couple fires, they, you know, you know, kids, they do things, pretend they're smoking grasses, because that's what grandma and grandpa does. You know, you got to just take it easy with kids, because they're, you know what I did at their age? Uh, to me, this was like, that, okay, but don't do that. You know, it's like, you know, I was, my husband was smoking cigarettes by then. So, you know, I mean, it's great what the farm does. Great, you know. And they're going to check out things. You realize that, parents. They're going to check things out. Try to just t- walk them through all that, you know. Um, and by the way, I was a lousy parent. You know, I was. I mean, I was reading child guidance all the time. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? You know. <laughs> but, you know, God's, God's blessing was just on it. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Lord. I really, yeah. But I started valuing my children. I started knowing them as people, not just my kids. And you're going to do what I say. And just so many wonderful things happened for me. I bonded with them. I was thankful for the family unit. I never had that as a kid. And this unit that were so like, you know, just all doing the same thing, running, a lot of cohesiveness. I loved it. Um, So it built trust in me for God. I'm telling you right now, as I look back, it was just building trust. God's plan was teaching me to trust him because I did not trust him for years. I've been a Christian 35, 37 years, whatever. Just the last four or five years, I really have learned to trust him. It's a huge thing for me. So at this point in the 90s, my kids were 14, 11, 9, and 7. We were selling not only to the health store, doing markets. We were selling to a runner that goes to a a mountain town uh, called Telluride, very famous ski resort. And uh, we were selling bouquets and vegetables. We were selling 30 to 40 bouquets, which you'll see some of that if you were here earlier. Some of those, my my girls learned to do them. And we were making a lot of money. I was really shocked. It was just great. Um, so the kids would get part of those means. Um, we joined, I joined VOGA, which is a Vo- um, Valley Organic Growers Association. It's mostly all, if anybody's here, don't be offended. It's mostly new age, but I got to know those people too. And they were buying from me at market and it was great because I was getting, getting involved where I could, when I could, and really good, you know, good things, you know. And um, at that point, we were, we were introduced to Neil Kinsey, which you might hear that name a lot around here because we believe in his, he's an agronomist. And um, McConnell, um, I forgot his first name. Whitmar, sorry, I just slipped my, he promotes his, and we really believe in his way of fertilizing and, and doing that. So we were introduced then. My husband really understood the chemistry and what to mix and what not and all that. And I just told him, yeah, that, that do that. And, you know, he's just been my go-to person for building and infrastructure. But he learned soil management a little better than me. I had too much going on at the time, I realized. It was just too much. So soil fertility came in. I just want to mention um, what the outcome of this, one of the people in town because we gave like classes on with this um, speaker and one of the local um, hardware store owners created a home, farm and home organic store, just the, the outcome of this. And if, that, that's amazing because we're a town of 1,500 and we, I can go buy a bag of rock phosphate or green sand or whatever I need right in my own town. It's like amazing what came out of that. Um, and so um, he carries all the amendments, liquid, dry, soil, 
um, organic soil products. So we share gypsum with these same neighbors too, which we need, which is a calcium supplement. And so we just got to know more people through the farm is what I'm trying to tell you. Lots of farmers were using manure and compost, but we were, I think, a step ahead with these amendments and learning how soil fertility really worked. Um, and so some of the things I do real quickly, I'm trying to run through a lot of stuff, but I buy and make my own fertilizer. Okay, so amendments. Um, so it, I, what I put in that is rock phosphate, gypsum, green sand, soybean meal, cottonseed meal, kelp, glacier rock, sometimes mycorrhizae. I'm not sure that it's really viable. That's why I don't know if I really, I try it and I see if it works sometimes. Biochar, Norwegian kelp, azomite, molasses, boron, and sulfur are my main things. And I mix it and then I put it on everywhere where I plant. Um, I want to recommend a book, Hands-On Agronomy, by Neil Kinsey. you got to get it. It's an easy, layman's book to get. Um, I also learned cover cropping at the same time, putting green manure in, tilled it in for fertilizer. <clears throat> I also, I, one periodical I highly recommend is Growing for Market. Wonderful. You will learn just everything about soil and plants and flowers. It's a really great uh, magazine to get. So in 1999, I'm going to another market. I'm starting, uh, I'm actually helping to start a mountain town market. It's an hour away from Telluride. It's called Ridgeway, Colorado. It's about an hour and 45 minutes. Um, I actually carpooled the first year with my neighbor who asked me to do it. She was doing flowers and I brought veggies. And uh, we went the first year and I said, I'm hooked. I, I see potential here. But if there wasn't people really supporting this. It takes a while. Give your, you gotta be visible. It takes about two to three years, you know? I mean, it's just, if you're starting it, if you jump into a farmer's market, it's not gonna take quite as long, but we were starting it. And so I, this is the things I thought about. It's easy accessible. It's before the weekend, before Sabbath. Um, it's inexpensive. Uh, I was actually invited to make some of the rules and I was on the board. So I could kind of manipulate some things I really wanted to see. I was pretty honest with people. I won't come Sabbath. You do Sabbath, I'm not coming. So for 17 years, it was on Friday and Sunday and God just blessed that influence. Um, by the uh, second year, um, I was on my own trying to get vendors and it was like a nightmare really, but I kept coming. I kept coming, I kept coming. And so by the third year, people took us serious. And you're going to see some of the stuff we produced in that, by that third year. Um, so um, this was it. It was on the fairgrounds. We had berries. I mean, we had really expanded. But just now, we make another move to a different farm. Uh, we are downscaling. We're losing our kids. They're getting older. They wanted to uh, experience some um, academies. They went to, a couple went to, three went to Fountain View for a couple years, then they didn't. You know, they were kind of homeschooled and back and forth a little bit. Um, uh, and so we were downsizing. And Michael hates this place, <laughs> or he did. Um, uh, we're on, we're on Bowmaze, or on uh, uh, Pickin. And so in 205, we're downsizing, and we find this two-and-a-quarter-acre hillside. <laughs> and Michael's like, no, you know, because we, ha we terraced. We terraced the whole farm with my kids, just rocks. They were older then. And just keep going, just keep till you get to there. Um, 
Michael put in all piping and infrastructure. Like I said, those that didn't hear this, we have to pipe water to everything we use. And so a hillside's really challenging because you gotta put some here and then I made it like a garden. I wanted it aesthetically, I had linear, big, huge spreads and I said, enough. I'm making it around my house. I'm making it beautiful. I'm making it so I, the way I want Garden and Eden to look like. So I have fruit trees all around my house. I have flower beds. I have, I mean, it's really hard to water. Michael put in all the infrastructure. I'm really thankful. We planted another hundred fruit trees, blackberries, raspberries, and not a lot. I started out with 12 plants, but I was producing like 500 pounds for in, a, in six weeks. I mean, if you feed your soil, I mean, I still produce that. Um, and now I have, no, I'm more because I have 24 plants, just 24. But these things are massive. They're like, you know, and they just produce. I prune them really good. I fertilize really good. Um, raspberries, table grapes. I have some dried ones in my bag, dried fruit. Um, the table grapes were such a hit. I mean, I'm so glad I put those in. Those were a little bit of a challenge. They actually came from Peaceful Valley. I'm in the wrong zone to have them, but I mulch every year over the top of them because I'm zone six. They're really for zone eight, I think. But uh, I lost a lot, but I have just enough. I just have just enough. I'm like, okay, perfect. You know, I don't have to. It's okay. But um, so I do intensive planting on this. I do about an acre with a little help. So I'm doing an acre pretty much by myself. I'm in my 60s, so I'm getting a little tired and the pressure kind of I'm tired of, but um, I love growing. And I do a lot of successive planting. Um, uh, I'm trying to scale this down a little bit. Um, this is the building, hang on just a sec, Mike. Yeah, I'm getting to that. Um, uh, trying to think. Okay, so yes. Our first greenhouse, we built ourselves. Michael flattened the hill to put it on. And then we did all the beds. We filled the beds because we were going to make this greenhouse like kind of the small one I had at my first farm. And that was we wanted to create mass, what we call mass in the greenhouse, which means mass stores heat. And so we created beds. Okay, so Michael cleared this um, and... Um, used all the topsoil, put it in a pile. Then when we made the beds out of cement, did all the cement work, and then put the topsoil right back into the beds. It, it has solar gain. When you have mass in a greenhouse, it gets heated. And remember, I have that fluctuation of 30 to 50 degrees between morning and night, and I need something more a little even. And so this really helped. And if you saw it planted, I plant it to every square inch too. I'm even having them now cut PVC pipe and hanging that. I'm trying to go vertical more now too. So I can just pack more, at least more lettuce, something, you know, in there um, and get more variety. Um, I sell anything I produce, anything in my little town. I can sell it. It's no problem. I have people waiting right now for me to start spring. And, I, you know, I'm just like, I need a break. These are really, really faithful followers. Um, Okay, so um, it's 24 by 48. It has no heaters, no fans, four-foot centers. The bows are four-foot. It um, it's bedded, and I, we just have big ventilation, two big doors on either end. That's how we do it. That's it. There's nothing else. It does blow in air in this two-layer plastic that costs me about 250 to $3 a month to run. I thought about putting on solar, but when the solar isn't going, I thought, eh, I'll just use two, 250 is not going to. 
So the benefits of the greenhouse growing, which is a must really, eventually, I think if you're gonna grow, you really should really consider. For me, it cuts ultraviolet rays. It's really harsh. Our sun is so harsh at 5,800 feet. Plants do not like it. And uh, so it really cuts that because it's kind of the plastic's kind of opaque. That's the first thing I noticed when I started growing. Um, the, the heat loving or cool loving plants both do well in here. Why? I don't know if it's because of the moisture because we're real arid. Like I said, we get 14 inches a year. It's, we're so dry. But in the greenhouse, it's wonderful. There's moisture everywhere. The plants are giving off moisture. So, um, and then you get more consistent temperatures. And then the, the varying day and night temperatures aren't so bad. So um, I can overwinter in here. I can have greens all. I eat my food. Like I said, I love eating my own food. So I can grow greens. I have beets, carrots in there, celery, uh, kale, chard. I have anything I want to eat in there for the winter. Um, yeah, the, and I fill my beds. <laughs> There's a, there is, yeah, everything's everywhere always until everything's planted out. But I, And that's where I put transplants that I'm going to talk about. It gives me a jump on transplants. I actually start um, onions right in the edge and then transplant them out. I mean, I, I have tried everything. I do everything in there. I've been able to experiment a lot. Um, like it's a holding place for all those transplants. They're on the floor, they're on the edges, they're on anything that's not being used in there. Because I do literally hundreds, probably a couple thousand plants easy a year. I've never counted them. Um, uh, the thing I want to talk about too is transplanting. Um, I have to see what I wrote here. Um, I can do a lot in this greenhouse. I actually can um, uh, start my seeds in here, which I really like. Uh, now, I, I, I didn't have a heating mat for probably 20 years, if you can believe that. I started all my seeds, like, just in the house on a rack with, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? shop lights right over, right over the beds. I mean, I've done everything that you possibly could do. And I start a lot in here now, um, which is nice on a table with a heating mat. Um, another thing I always do, and this is a lot of people aren't doing it, but now it's coming into style. I notice that people are using these, um, what is that called? Strings of paper pots where you can put a whole row in. So basically it's transplanting everything. And I do that. I transplant everything. You're not going to believe this. Carrots, beets, corn beans. I have so many rodents. They eat it and chew it up and I've, now I've lost a half a row. I got a restart that's going to take me two weeks. So I transplant just about everything. I plug trays and I have gotten so fast planting them out that I just, outside, in the beds I don't. But outside I transplant everything. Because I know, okay, the whole row's there. I have it. I have it. It's there. And so I transplant everything. Um, which is becoming more in vogue. I'm, I'm, they're doing these transplant, these uh, pots, string pots that you put in the ground and you buy the machine. And so I'm not too off the mark. I thought, oh, I'm so fashioned. And then I saw that in Johnny's seed catalog this year. So it's like, well, I guess I'm not. <laughs> 
because anything to bump up the season. I'm trying to eat my own food. I'm trying to sell. The sooner I seed it, the sooner, sooner I plant it, the sooner I can harvest. So that's always been at market my biggest thing. People come because my, 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 I start out with four tables, long tables like this, and they're packed by May. And no one has anything. They have lettuce. So what this does, it gives me an advantage. I sell everything I bring to market. And people just start coming to me through the whole season because I keep doing this. I keep having more food, wide variety. I mean, there's just a whole way to market things, right? Because, you know, people want a one-stop deal. They want to stop and get everything they need. Okay. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about seeds. Have plenty on hand, more than you need. Don't skimp on seeds, okay, because you don't want to have to reseed you know, and go get seed. And where are you going to get seed? It's going to take you another week to get it. So make sure you keep lots of good seed on hand. Um, I can even sprout them to see if they're viable. You can sprout them in a wet paper towel to see if they're going to really work. I mean, there's lots of ways. I don't keep things for more than two years, really, seed. Um, some of the seed companies, which I was asked earlier, uh, Fedco is one of my favorites. It's a co-op seed company. Uh, it uses no GMOs. It means that growers grow for this. It's cheap. It's wonderful. For Fedco Seed Company, it's in Maine. Johnny's Baker Seed, I use a little. I like their blue tomatoes. I love heirloom tomatoes. Pine Tree Gardens, Swallowtail Gardens. Um, I, I told you heating mats are really important. Um, so I'm giving you tips, um, things I think are kind of a must if you really want to cut your problems and errors, uh, heating mats. I've been, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't grow them on them for 20 years, but now they're indispensable. I love them because <laughs> they're just so like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could get such germination, you know, <laughs> with some things, especially flowers. Flowers are real picky. They're really picky. So anyway, so I'm really gotten good at using those. Um, Lessened germination time. Some things come up in two days because of a heating mat, where it's usually 10 days or whatever. Uh, prevents de disease, and because I don't have a heated greenhouse, things damp off. It's called damping off. You can water too much, and then you kill the whole plant. You kill the whole seed bed. And so it just the warming up is really great, um, especially when there's no sun. It's a big problem. I'm always telling, nope, don't just water it so much. Did you want to say? Um, that black pipe, you want to know what that black pipe does? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I do hanging baskets. I do everything. Whatever. I mean, I, if, I, if someone wants them, I do it. Uh, the four middle of the beds, people were asking me where I put my dahlias. There's my dahlias. I overwinter them right there. I chop them all off. And I can have them all the way into November. And chop them off. And then I mulch them. And they keep all winter long in those beds for me. And I you know, thin them out and make them, you know, divide them. Um, that black plastic, my husband came up with that. It runs through all the beds. You, there's actually more beds on either side. And um, that's carrots. Um, um, so what his, his idea was, uh, we put rock in the bottom, then the top, so about 80, 18 inches at least you should have, okay? And then um, that pipe runs through all those beds. So you can use that as cooling or heating. But, and he was going to pull air from the top of the greenhouse into that pipe to heat the beds. So when you warm beds, remember, if you warm soil, then things are going to produce and do better and be not as unhealthy. So he, he put that in, but we never used it. 
I mean, I just don't want to get started before January. I want breaks. I want tired. And so, you know, I just haven't used it. Um, so then we went to our second greenhouse. This is the backyard. So this is all along. These are grapes. This is the grapevine right when you come into our farm, the table grapes. Uh, such a pretty picture. <laughs> I sell these at weddings. I'll tell every woman if they have the wedding around this time, I go, well, you know, I have some table grapes. You'd like to try them. You can put them on your tables, and it's really pretty. I got purple, green, and uh, a deep purple. And they go, yeah, let me try them. They eat them, and they're like, uh, I want 20 pounds. I mean, it's just, you know, people love it. I mean, the, the grapes, no, table grapes without seeds is like, in our area, it's unheard of. You, do, you can't even get them and organic. So I always sell them, and I sell them with my CSA. So my second greenhouse is in the back. I put it right over the top. I bought extra bows. This is garlic. I plant garlic. I plant everything. I do everything. But um, we plant in, because of our Arizona 6, we plant in October, and we harvest by early July. Um, so our second greenhouse, we put a single layer plastic, five foot centers, and both are snow load frames, big door ventilation, no heat, no fans, cement posts in the ground, and then I grew 24 by 60, so I have two. And if I need more warmth in my greenhouse, I just hoop. I just hoop things, you know, put remay, you know, row covers. If I want to warm in another 10 degrees in that back greenhouse. But I can get started. I can have things in there by, I actually have a seeding. Um, so in 2012, I'm doing all this, going to market. Uh, my kids, I'm losing my kids. But 2012 and 2013, I had another job opportunity. I did Ridgeway 13 years at this point, very successful vendor, really successful. It was amazing what happened there. And uh, um, there was a competitor who saw what I was doing, and he asked me to go to work for him. And, and the condition that I would be able to be, have my face at this greenhouse still, I, or at this market, because I knew that might be short term, and I'm going to come back to this market. So he agreed, sometimes. But, um, so he asked me to grow for him. He paid me really well. I said, and another condition is you have to hire my whole family. Otherwise, I'm not coming. You have to hire my husband, me, and all the, my kids when they come back from college. Because my kids always work the farm. My kids are still coming back every summer to help me on the farm. It's just a given. They go, Mom, what do you want done? You know, they just come in, and then they go out and do that. So um, uh, I really thought about this. I don't know if my husband really wanted me to do this, but we had years of college to pay. And we got enough in those two years to pay four years of college. So um, he paid me really well, and him, and um, gave us a house to live in, and we went home on the weekends. And I actually had planted my front greenhouse with tomatoes, which we used, and flower bouquet, so that they would go to his markets. I did five markets for him and grew four acres. And you'll see some of it, Michael. That's a back greenhouse. That's last year. Cantaloupe, green beans, peppers. I grow everything there. One, just one row of tomatoes, uh, some more peppers. Cucumbers is a long row. Uh, all kinds of cabbages, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. I pack them. I mean, I just put a little of everything so I have lots of variety. This is when it's cold. This is what I do, uh, you know, to make sure they don't freeze or because it can freeze in this greenhouse. 
So, yeah. Peace. I just trellis everything with the. So um, we put up four greenhouses at his too. And Michael did all the infrastructure, all the water. And he, did, he just was my right hand to just get water in here, get water over here, get water there. And um, I managed 11 people. I bought all the supplies. I seeded, planted, weeded, harvest, and worked markets with this man. I worked like a dog. And uh, he worked me every minute, and except for Sabbath. He could never, nope, I'm done. You know, I'd walk off and say, nope, it's almost Sabbath. And he was, he was good about it. He was really good. Um, um, it really was successful. I didn't know if I could do this, honestly. I didn't know. But God blessed, and I, I'm a really obviously organized person, and I learned to get organized with time management. Um, so in 2014-15, I go. So I worked for him for two years. It just, you know, he's he was a millionaire. He was a millionaire who wanted to be look like a farmer. That's what he was doing. There's a lot of that, you know. Just I don't know. Colorado's different, and and I was okay. Okay, fine. I'll grow your food, you know. So we did. So um, these are some of the kids, Michael. Michael. Hired, we hired all of my son's kids from college. They came. We put, had a house for them. Uh, we're picking peaches. Oh, yeah, and we actually picked peaches and, and all the fruit and sorted it and took that to market, too. These are, this is his place now. He did a lot of solar energy. Uh, this is the garden that we were all. I would let they go to work. I'd say, you got to be here by 7. I'd even have to feed him breakfast sometime. I'm like, okay, guys, you know. Some people were smoking pot. I had to deal with all kinds of stuff. But I, was, I wanted to win these kids, too, okay. And that black guy you saw, he just now is growing tomatoes this year. He's a nurse. because I'm going to grow tomatoes. He said that experience just changed his life. He said, I never knew farming could be so wonderful. And we were all working together. You know, there's, you know, college students. We had a blast. It was fun. It was really great. We bedded this greenhouse, put cement beds in it. This is actually at the end of the season where I'm actually ripping things out. I even put them in the middle. I just used every square inch I could. I grew everything. I even grew a quarter acre of sweet potatoes under black plastic. In Colorado, that's how we do it. There's no moisture. So I had to mimic the outside temperatures. I said, I'll try it under black. Now, yeah, it works. It works really good. I just did 250, 300 pounds this year for a few CSA members. You know, I just wanted to have something extra. The other thing I did at markets that I want to tell you about, you should really reconsider, is I bought and resold fruit. Now, we had 100 trees, and when I, my fruit came in, we frost a lot. We lose our fruit a lot. But I would go to farmers an hour away, they always had fruit in Palisade, the same place. And I would buy fruit. And I would, uh, I had 100% markup, if you can believe that. And it would be 150 if I didn't have to drive to go get it. They are happy to see me come because they don't want to go to markets. They want to grow their food and pass it on. They don't want to market it at all. They love me, but I drove them crazy. Because I hand-selected all the fruit. I tasted everything. I made sure I bring the best quality to market. I did cherries, peaches, plums, pluots, apricots, apples, and I highly recommend that. There are farmers out there that do not want to go to market, but they want to sell their perishable thing to you. Okay, they don't, some of them don't have coolers. they got to move it really fast. And they love to see you coming. 
I paid a dollar a pound for all these things. They, they loved me. And then I would just cart it all back home and then cart it to market with all the veggies if I didn't have it. And it was just wonderful. And my market people loved it. And I would tell them, this is not mine. This is mine. This isn't. They, they didn't care. They're like, these are amazing. I taste tested. Make sure you taste test. Because they want to say, some farmers want to say things that they need to move. But I'm interested in your best quality and tasty. Yeah. There's Amy. Yeah, she was a great worker. She said, I've never worked. I'm like, really? She would be out there picking green beans. You know how hard green, I mean, these are bush beans, too. And I do pole beans a lot. But she was a fabulous. We grew melons. These are unusual. I do unusual things. Um, so I really recommend that, that you look into that if you're planning to do market or planning to have CSA on farm where people can come and then they can have fruit too. And I still do it now too at my CSA. In uh, this whole time, I'm doing two to four weddings too a summer, easy. I, we just did a lot of stuff. Because um, I really wanted to learn that aspect about flowers and events. And you know, I just wanted to expand and I was young and strong and healthy. Um, I was asked to consult in 2015 so I left him, went to back to market, did two years of market. My mother was dying. I was their caretaker. I got completely exhausted. And my daughter says, do a CSA, Mom. And I'm like, how am I going to get the word out? I got the word out to a few people, and I had 28 people in my CSA that summer. It was just amazing. But 2015, I was asked to consult at a Smith Fork Ranch, which you'll see, yeah, just keep going. This is all Ridgeway when I worked for Skip. These are the tables that we got ready and the flowers we did and the food. And so Smith Fork is kind of like this really high-end luxury mountain guest ranch. And he said, can you grow my garden? And I'm like, three days a week. Because I was doing two days at mine <laughs> and three days at his. And he said, okay. And he paid me $25 an hour no matter how many hours I put in. He paid me really well. That's really well to me. I, that's what I wanted. And so he did that. And um, so I planned, designed, landscaped, uh, instructed, and managed one person to take this over three times a week. Um, but I also sold them bedding plants I was doing at this time, too. All my bedding plants, I created their containers, their hanging baskets, their flower beds. They just bought everything. They did. I, I made so much off this whole thing. I did two seasons with him, and he still calls me every year. He's a millionaire. He calls me every season to see what I think. Is there anybody out there that can help me do the garden? Can, can, are you still? I, I won't do it now. I'll consult him, but I won't, I'm not going to do it now. This is him. Yeah. I should. <laughs> Dude ranch. Luxury ranch. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. This is back on my farm. But that was his farm. Uh, so then my, so here I am uh, back from Ridgeway. My mom just died. Um, I'm tired, but I have everything planted and seeded. And so I start putting the word out. I'm also working from April to June. I got asked by this uh, in-town uh, 
hardware store. They know me. She said, Carol, will you work for me? Because you know plants. She just has a small little greenhouse. It's a nursery. And all the women in town come and buy bedding plants for their planters. And she said, can you go in there? You know all the flowers. Can you work for me? I said, okay. Because, see, I don't turn anything down. And God blessed. He really blessed. I thought, can I do this? And I did. I did it. And I just got really even more, you know, careful about my time. And so um, I sold the plants. And she sold. She said, listen, I go, I had so many plants. I didn't plant this year because I'm not going to market. She goes, bring them in here. I'll sell them. We'll sell them as an organic line. I said, great. Sounds good to me. I made three or 400 that first, <laughs> first year just selling the bedding plants to her and her, you know, people buying them. And then I could talk about my farm. I got CSA members. I, it just worked out beautifully. I got more exposed because there's new people coming into Colorado all the time with the new marijuana laws. And there's just so many people coming and going. It's a very, we were in Forbes magazine where I live. And so it really got the word out. You can, it's the last growing place before the mountains. So um, I started the CSA, too. And uh, uh, some of my Ridgeway people said, we're not letting you go. Can you drop off to us? So I have 10 to 15 of those that I drop off once a week. And the, the other thing I do in my CSA is I let people choose what they want. They text me, and I make a, I make a, a list of what they text me and who wants what. Um, in the ones that are in Paonia. And this, 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 this frees me up a little, because I don't know if you've ever run a CSA. You have to have, okay, let's say you have 28 families. Well, you got to have 28 cabbages for every single family. I'm like, ah. Oh. So, you know, you get kind of limited in what you're going to grow and be able to handle this. So I gave my CSA members uh, 15, 16 of them in Paonia, and it just worked out. Because not everybody wanted cabbage, not everybody wanted cauliflower, not everybody wanted broccoli, not everybody wanted, you know. And the things they all want, which are tomatoes and cukes and all these really, you know, lettuces, that I grow a lot of. And then my CSA in the Ridgeway people, the 15, I give them what I have. You get what I tell you you're going to get, and they're fine. They're happy with it. So I get to unload all my produce. There's no problem. This is, we're getting ready for market. I never had a cooler, ever. I mean, this is what we do. And I can't, if I can tell you, I don't know if it will work in humid climates, but in our climate, we put things in water. I put beets and carrots. We get them ready way before we need them, put them, in, put them outside, if you can believe I did it this way, I did. And, and we would just cool it that way. It's so cool at night. And by the time we went to market, they were fine. And that's how I did everything. Flowers and tomatoes, we just stored in the root cellar. I mean, we just, I made it work. We're really frugal. We've spent no money on hardly. I keep think, telling my husband, there's what's called the cold bot. Have you ever heard of that? Okay, it's a reconditioned air conditioner that you put this, anyway, you can, Cool, a small space. I really highly recommend it. A couple of my friends did it. It's called Cool Bot. It's really good. Uh, so I was doing two to six weddings every summer. Um, uh, now, with the CSA, I'm going, Lord, what am I going to do with all these flowers? My CSA takes so many flowers, not very much. I'm doing some weddings, but not the market. I sold 30 bouquets a week, and now I'm not selling any. And so I'm like, Lord, what, you know, I don't want to waste these flowers. And sure enough, I get a call from another female grower who's fabulous. She just left the valley. She goes, Carol, do you got any perennials? I go, oh, yeah, I've got lots. And I would sell her uh, between 
four to six to eight buckets a week. So I was making four or five hundred dollars just on buckets of flowers to her. That same year I did the CSA. You know, if you if you're patient, if you pray, if you ask God, He will hear you. He will help. He will, you know. And I never waste anything. If I'm not going to use it, I gift it to someone. Give it away. You know, give fly. I go to my, I go to the gas station where I live. I go to the bank. I, I just give flowers away. I mean, give them away instead of letting them rot to me. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. And so people loved it. They're like, oh, Carol, you know, because I want to, the only thing that I can do with someone who doesn't believe the way I believe is to, if I benefit them in some way, right, freely give, just freely give, that's going to that's gonna do something between me and them. It's going to open their heart, right? Uh, be benevolent. Give. Give, you know. Give your tomatoes. You got extra. Don't waste them. Don't throw them in the compost pile. Go to your neighbor. Give it to them, you know. Uh, I never worry about, oh, well, you know, they're going to have my secrets or they're going to, you know, I mean, they could be paying for this. I don't do that. Uh, these are my CSA members. I took a few pictures. This is September. This is September. <laughs> Peaches, cantaloupe. I, what I'm doing is sorting these out and putting them in boxes in my kitchen. And these CSA members, I bring them right into my kitchen. I'm like, have a cup of tea. We just have fun. And it's great. This lady is a 52-year-old woman, nurse, been working in uh, the, uh, heart telemetry, got tired of nursing. She only works one day in a month or something. She said, like, Carol, can I come and work for you? Free. Yeah. Do you know nurses? They are like amazing workers. Like I just go, do this. Oh, do that. Now this. Now that. I mean, we just get so much done in a day. And so we're getting ready to seed out. She goes, I really want to learn seeding out. So I'm having these women come. She's my daughter's. That's another CSA. This is a drop off into Delta. And this is, this is September, I think. Uh, yeah, just boxes, bags, and we're just filling their boxes. They insist on having coolers. I'm glad I don't have to drag them around, but um, we put them all in coolers, so they're... Okay, so I'm done with this, and now, yeah, you can just keep going. You guys can look. This is all CSA grapes, everything. Just, that's one day picking, one day a week. That's not... Lots of days. That's one day. So. Some of them did. This is a wedding I did in late September for a gift. I did a gift. I had all these flowers. I'm like, hey, I got invited to this wedding. I go, you can have flowers? No, we're not going to do flowers. Oh, well, can I gift you with flowers? What? Really? Yeah. They ended up paying me. I mean, it was just great. These are sweet potatoes. These are... I love decorative pumpkins. At market, I can sell these things. Wow, people will really buy that. That's her cherry trees in bloom, and tansy, and my raspberries behind. So now I want to open it up. Does anybody know the time? Oh, it's five. It's so I don't know if you want to ask me any questions, but you, it's really we're over time. Three feet. Those, those are what the question was. Yeah. I know, but they aren't. 
So the question was, how big are the um, beds? How tall are the beds in the greenhouse? They're two feet. I know they do. You can sit on them. They, for me, they come, you know, they can sit on them and work on both sides. He really designed it beautifully. Right. Rock that was from right there in the bottom because we didn't know what to do with the rock. So we said, we're Rocky Mountains. So we have big rocks. Yeah. Soil on top. At least 18 inches, but I'd say two feet. Yeah. Okay, what is my potting mixture? Oh, I've been through a lot and r ruined a lot of plants doing that. Uh, you know what you can get? I'm going to tell you something you all can get, and that's sunshine peat moss at um, Home Depot. It's peat moss. If you're not doing large amounts, you'll, you'll end up getting... There's actually a sunshine commercial brand. It's really high-quality peat moss, okay? And hopefully you'll be able to get it in bulk somewhere, but, but that... You can use that. I just started, f I found that. Um, I actually was getting Bacto, which is a commercial brand that my, another grower right near me that does hanging baskets in another town, she, I was buying for her for, for years. Uh, 40 pound bags, really rich peat. And then I add my own soil. Um, and then I add a little composted soil and then my amendments, which I told you. Yeah, soil is really important. The more you know about soil, the better. I have almost killed so many plants, yellowing them, doing it wrong. Yeah. You don't want any pieces. If you see pieces or bark in your, pea, in your uh, potting soil, you don't want it because it'll, draw, it'll pull out all the nitrogen out of your plants. So make sure it's real fine and really sifted and broken down. Be careful of people that are composting too. If they don't compost it long enough, it's disastrous for you. What did you? What, what my what? Your low temperatures. Um, the question was asked, what are my low temperatures? Um, teens, zero, minus, yeah, for a week or could be, yeah, a week, two, sometimes two, but on and off. It's warming greatly where we are. Just in the when I was a kid, we had 18 inches of snow always. I grew up in Denver. And now we have no snow. We were in the 40s this year. We're all wondering what's going to happen with our fruit. So, we, yeah, that's never been heard. I've never seen that happen. Yes. Do you use any perlite or um, vermiculite in your soil? Do I use vermiculite? I, it's in the, the peat that I buy. It's already in. in that yeah. I wouldn't say that that's a must. It's a little extra you don't really need. Nope. Your amendments will be on the website? No. <laughs> I didn't get that far. Uh, I can give them to you again. Yeah, if you want. Does everybody want that? or? Okay, what is, the question was, what are the amendments? Okay, there is something in Texas that's done right here. Have you ever heard of Yum Yum Mix? Anybody? Check it out. It's, it's, it's produced right here. In, in, uh, and so it's a lot of these things, I'm telling you, I found it. Um, so, but I make it because I can, let's see if I can find it here. Well, it's, um, you got to be careful. You really want to do some soil samples at least every two to three years, okay? You do. You do. I don't, but you do. <laughs> I'm going to do one this year because Whitmar's doing it now, and I'm, I know him really personally, and so... 
yeah. And, but uh, you really want to, but I've never had a problem. I don't use any animal manures. I use uh, cottonseed mill and um, soybean mill. And you know, people say, well, GMOs, and I know, I know. But this, you, you just got to balance things out, you know. To me, it's safer, you know, it's broken down. I mean, you just got to go with what you need because you got to have a nitrogen source. You have to. And if your soil's balanced, then the, those nodes are going to keep those nitrogen fixing things, you know. So, you know, it's all it's all soil chemistry. Okay, so rock phosphate, green sand, glacier rock, azomite, glacier rock. So a lot of rocks. I use a lot of rocks. Norwegian kelp. Molasses, dried molasses, feeds the microbes. Boron, which is borax, you can buy in Walmart, but you've got to be very careful you don't overuse it. Sulfur, soybean milk, gypsum. Now, I know how to mix this, and I can't quite tell you about mixing, but if you can get a hold of Yum Yum Mix or, or try to figure out, I really hate to give you Measurements, because you might ruin something. I don't want to do that to you, but um, those, those, if you that yum yum mix, if you can get it bagged, you can get it bagged in forty pound bags. It's really wonderful stuff. It's basically this, and then I, you know, with I add quite a few things more in mine. Yeah. Oh, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can read it, but we're talking a pinch in your mix. Be careful with boron. Yeah. Any other question? Yeah. 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 Anybody else? No. A lot of work. A <laughs> lot of work. Oh, yeah. The question is, uh, why didn't I use um, beds in my second greenhouse? No, I did not use them. They're just a lot of work. That, that was like a lot of hours, tons like of hours. It's just like a big coal frame. Yeah, yeah. It's like a tunnel. But it's still, I go from the front greenhouse to the back greenhouse to the outside. So I can start growing still a lot faster in the back greenhouse. I can have green beans by 1st of July tomatoes by first of july in my zone especially if i cover them and i really watch the weather and put them in at the right time and really make sure they don't get sick and you know i can you know that's all you just learn that you just know like there's instinctual stuff when to plant i'm sorry yeah yeah i'm just saying i know that's a really high quality one but yes the question was would i use regular peat moss yeah Get any peat moss, but that's because that's that loosens up everything, and so you want your soil pretty light and nice. Okay, you want water filtering through. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, I would never change that, and I can get away with a lot in a second. But it just makes it easier for me. I don't have to worry about that one. That's not going to freeze or frost. And yeah. 
Yeah. So, so when that first greenhouse, I have carrots and beets and lettuces. I'm growing all on the edges, radishes, and then I'm putting tomatoes in the middle of it. Like every square inch, I don't know if you saw it, was packed. And those are pulled out in 60 days. So then the tomatoes are big and they're by themselves. And I, there's just a way I've learned to utilize. I, I really do intensive planting, really. Yeah, those, I wanted to show that. But. Yeah, and, but, but, well, but it's one of my first things when I open up for, when I, op yeah, I do succession on beets and carrots, but when I open up in May, there's lettuce, there's pak choy, there's lettuce mixtures, which I put lettuce and some Asian greens and mizuna and tot, so it's a really wonderful mix. They love it. And then I have chard, and I have kale, I have radishes, I have for curry turnips, let's see what else, <laughs> strawberries. So, you know, they're just getting tons in their box, you know. People are spending $40 a week, all those people, because there's just so much I do, you know. So, yeah, the name of the game is to have the food. So. Do you have Well, we have friends that do it, but those beds are better, and I'll tell you why. You're not wasting space, and you're utilizing it. So those barrels are going to take up space, and they're just barrels there. They're taking up space. I want to grow in the greenhouse. So if you put the concrete's the best. Can I tell us about how much that would cost? Yeah. How much did that? The question is, how much did the concrete beds cost? Well, we rented the forms from the and this greenhouse was two thousand. I paid for that in that first year, easy, like yeah. first couple months. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to cement them. The question is, can you use cement blocks? Yes, but you're going to still have to cement them. The, the, the mass is going to push those out and ruin your beds. So you either have to cement them, wood. Did you see my first one? We did wood with the kids. I mean, use, recycle. It's still going. But, you know, you want thick and something that will take moisture if you can, thick, thick pieces of wood. Yeah, we just built these. He did. He did on the first greenhouse. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, cedar and redwood and white oak. White oak. Great. That's good to know. Wow, really? Oh, good. We don't have that bias, but we'd have to buy it. We try to recycle. Try to recycle and reuse things. Yeah. 60 days. 60, 70 days. That's not that long. Mm -mm. No. What? Yeah. Because I want to get, I want to eat some. I'm almost done with mine. I eat lots of carrots myself, but yeah, I will. I, I grew them last year. They're wonderful. They're very expensive, but they're wonderful. Five dollars for, yeah, ten seeds, but it's worth it to me. Uh, I love the purples. I like the Cherokee purples still. I love the, the browns and the purples. They're my favorite. I just love them. I love that savory sweet, that rich flavor. And so do my, so do my people. I'm just growing more and more of what they want, you know. You know. 
Oh, they have a gold one too. That was really, it was delicious. It really was worth buying the seed. No, but it's, you can't miss it in Baker Seed. They're the only people that I know carry it. So I bought all their blues. <laughs> I bought them all, you know, but I can, I can pay for that in one, one person that comes to my CSA. So that's the way you got to figure it. How can I make this, you know? I know. Did you see my little tray of them? They looked just like this, those little, f yes, it, it, I do it. What you have to do, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. What I, you have to do is make sure that the root is completely straight when you put it in the ground. Don't let it get too big. If it kinks, you're going to have a kinky carrot. So that's the thing you need to remember. So you got to get it in when it's not. My, my plugs are probably that tall. So I wait till it just barely touching the end. And I pop my things out and I just plant them. I am so fast. My what? Plugs? Oh, they're only about that big. Yeah. Yeah. Get good plug trays, too, if you're going to do that. But I do everything. I sprout green beans and then put them in soil. Peas and put them. If I don't do that, the mice eat all of them. I sprout them first, and I actually put them in four packs and six packs. Pop them in once, once they're You can just handle them like nothing. There's no problem with peas or beans. So I, I pop them in, and then I pop them in my six, six packs. And then I let them root out just a little in a few days, and then I pop them in the soil. I wait till they're kind of big, about this big. The tops. No, not the root, but the top. So, so if a mouse came and ate that, he'd just eat a little piece of it. But if I, if I plant that pea, he'll eat that sprout off over and over and over. And so I got it. It's because of rodents. But I'm, I know everything's planted in that row. It's there. I'm going to get every single one of those. So it relieves you. It just kind of takes pressure off. Why? Oh, yeah. You really need to know fertilization. Oh, you know something you guys would be interested in? Something you guys should be, you will be interested in. Uh, fungicides. You know, you know, when you get a fungus on a plant, any kind of fungicide, any kind of disease, make sure you're learning to spray with sulfur, and copper because it will you'll just be amazed what will happen to your plant and put it in the soil sulfur and copper they are both fungicides okay that means they help diseases okay so even if you can put them in the soil at the beginning okay it's a great idea it depends what kind I think there are organic coppers uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Peaceful Valley. Go to. Pe Do you guys know what Peaceful Valley is? Farm and Home Supply out of California. They have a great catalog for fungicides and and talk to those people. Say that I'm having this problem. You know, will will copper? Should and I foliar feed. I have a backpack sprayer and I I foliar feed and make some compost tea. I do all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's so much. I couldn't fit it all in an hour, but. Um, uh, once a week, yeah. Kelp, I, I do this liquid kelp. And, and Whitmar's got a really good, I forgot what he called it. It's a seaweed that you might want to get. Seeing that strengthens your plants too. They won't be so susceptible to diseases. Make sure you give, make sure you give your squash lots of room. You might be planting them too close too. 
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.